Whatever you're wearing right now, Mack Weldon is better. Mack Weldon is a premium men's essentials brand that believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. I tell you, I love Mack Weldon's underwear and their socks. Their underwear, that's my lucky underwear. Every single episode of the Chris Gethard Show that we do on television, I wear Mack Weldon's those days. That is true. Anytime I have a big gig, anytime I need some secret confidence, wear my Mack Weldon's underneath my clothes. And that's the secret I have, that I'm wearing the best possible underwear I could be wearing. Not only do Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well, too. They have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor. If you don't like your first pair, keep it. They'll still refund you, no questions asked. I don't think that's going to happen because I'm telling you, I wear these things, you're going to be satisfied. They look good. They feel good. Love my Mack Weldon's. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com. Enter promo code BEAUTIFUL at checkout. Hello to everybody who's met far more successful comedians than me. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call. No names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hello, everybody. Chris Gethard here. Your old pal, Gethard, saying hello. Welcome, beautiful anonymous. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. Thanks for supporting the show. Thanks for supporting me. Thanks to everybody who's supporting Chris Gethard's show on True TV. Check it out. Thanks to everybody who's been buying tickets for my stand updates this year. ChrisGeth.com. Those are on sale. We're heading to New City soon. Tempe and Syracuse and Montreal. Keep your eyes peeled for those. Um, yeah, what do we want to talk about? Last week's episode, we talked to our British friend who had a pen pal on death row and became a death row lawyer, moved to America. A divisive episode. The Facebook group, very, I have to say, I love that Facebook group. Beautiful Anonymous, the community. Thank you, guys. There were a lot of people in there. There were people who were saying, you know, I vehemently disagree with the death penalty. And then there were other people saying, I like it. But nobody was fighting. Nobody was being a jerk. It was, by and large, very open and peaceful an intelligent discourse, people say. And people saying, I lo- I've lost family members in murders. I like the death penalty. Other people saying, that's fair. I disagree. It's a cool thing to see that community up and running. Thank you guys for joining. Thank you guys for uh, being a part of it. Thanks to all the mods who make that thing happen. This week's episode, I tell you, I had fun with it. It's been a long time. It's been a long time since we've had a... Uh, An artist on the fence. That was an early trope of the show. The early stereotype of our show, right? Beautiful Anonymous, early stereotype is a lot of artists want to get over the hump and go make their art. This is that. And I realized, I tell you, we were talking, I realized that what it was, that's what it was. And I was like, man, we have not sunk our teeth into this one in a while. This has been on my mind as I've, you know, constantly deal with the fact that I'm an artist who has to figure out what that means. And, uh, I tell you, some tough love handed out to this caller. Some tough love. And I had some fun along the way. hear a lot about other stuff from her life as well. It was a fun call. It's a call I enjoyed. I think you're going to enjoy it as well. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Oh? Hi. Hey, is this real? Yeah, 
It's real. Oh, my God. It's all really happening. Wow. Welcome to the show. I feel like I'm getting pranked or something. Wow. <laughs> but you called me. By definition, you you don't call someone and then get pranked. I know, but like good things don't happen to me. No, that's that's not true. Good things happen. Um, but I, when I um, saw th- like that, I was actually being put on hold because I I try nearly every time. I like lost all feeling in my knees. And I don't think that's really ever happened before. <laughs> well, there's no. So need- I'm sorry if I sound really nervous. No, I was just gonna say no need to be nervous. We're just talking. It's fine. I think you were. Pro- were you warned about the fact that we're experimenting with Facebook on this one too? No, um, I'm not nervous about that. Oh, I'm good. just nervous to talk to you. I think. Nah, I tell you, it's, <laughs> it's just a con- we're just we're just bouncing some ideas off each other, and if it's uh, that's true. Yeah. And what's the worst that happens? It goes poorly, and then we all move on with our day. No pressure. Right. I mean, my instinct is to, like, apologize before we even have the conversation. But that's not that's not what my attitude should be or how I want it to be anyway. You Irish Catholic? You got a real Irish Catholic apologetic vibe. I know it well. I'm <laughs> um, not Irish Catholic, but I'm Armenian, and we're very guilty people. A very guilty people. We learn something new every day. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm first generation, but I feel like I have to like inherit my parents' suffering. So, yeah, that, that's kind of like, I don't know. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's fascinating. <laughs> you said Romanian. No, Armenian. 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 Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, I get I mean, uh, no, I don't want to dwell in the darkness. That's a people who have been through a lot in recent history. So I would imagine that that is you still feel the effects, right? Your families must really be connected to that. Um, I think I didn't really. I just kind of took it for granted, or like how it was. But I'm 26 now, so I'm first generation, and I realized like there is some pressure on me that I just thought that's how it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't want to like. You know, there's like a spectrum of suffering, and I know in a lot of ways I'm privileged, but yeah, I think you realize that there's some stuff that you have to deal with. Um, yeah. Wow. So you've already said, we've already brought, I mean, we're three minutes in, and we've already brought up the Armenian genocide, and you've said the sentence, good things don't happen to me. Man, we're really coming out I of the said gate. good things don't happen? You did. That's one of the first things you said. Unless I'm going insane. I think it was when that you were panicking like, about getting through. I think in your panic, you said, I can't believe this. Good <laughs> things don't happen to me. It, they, they do, but I feel like I don't deserve them. And uh-huh. that's the thing. Um, I, like, I was asked, well, what would I talk about? And I think I was in a different place when I first um, you know, started listening to the podcast. It was, it was kind of like old school, beautiful, anonymous, like just calling and be like, please, Chris, tell me like what I should do. I just, I need your advice and just tell me what to do. And like, now I'm just like, I know what to do and I know I have the potential. See, this is like not related to the Armenian genocide at all, but maybe (laughs) kind of, I don't know. And I'm just like, I have to be ready to accept that I'm, I'm capable and I have potential just as much as anyone else, but it's kind of scary and it's easier to Self-sabotage. Yeah. 
Well, what kind of stuff do you do? <laughs> what kind of stuff do you do that you sometimes self-sabotage? Well, I feel like I have to apologize again because it's, I'm sure you get many of these calls or I know, but I'm aspiring to be a writer and a comedian. So um, wow. there's a lot of like, you need to kind of be a self-starter. Like you can't go to school necessarily for that. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I, here's a couple of responses to that. One, we haven't had an artist call in a long time. We actually haven't had one. I'm actually excited because I've been thinking a lot about art lately. I've been thinking a lot about art and why you do art and who you do art mm -hmm. for. I've been struggling with this in my own life. Why do you do it? What's mm -hmm. the point? Where, what are the, where's the wow. integrity? What are the goals behind it? So I'm actually very excited to have that conversation. That kind of makes me nervous, though, because you're so... You've, you know, you've had success in your career and you're still asking that, like, because for me, it's this guilt again of like, this is very um, indulgent. I should just be a teacher and I should help kids. And like, really, the the way to happiness is like helping others, which I, I believe. But also, like for me to say, well, helping people is sharing my story and my identity and being like a little hairy or mean girl and like others laughing and healing through that is like so like it's too congratulatory and like calm down. Like you're, you're not saving the world with your jokes. Mm -hmm. So this is like my internal battle. And then I don't go to an open mic and then I just sign up for a class and I'm just like, I feel so good when I do it. And then I, I have this internal monologue. So wait, sign up for what kind <laughs> yeah. of class? I'm I, that part. I would like classes towards like a teaching degree or classes like improv classes. No, um, not improv. I did improv and I, I think my, my, True love is stand-up. So yeah. even though I've done a fair number of open mics and the previous class, I'm doing a class just to keep me accountable. Right. And also it's a great way to like come up with material. Mm -hmm. And I feel that I'm like, I have potential, but I hate even saying that sounds disgusting. And that's scary to me to even say that because that means like, Hey, well, what's stopping you? You better act on it. Like it becomes more real. I have some thoughts way. already. I have some thoughts for you, caller. Okay. You need to stop apologizing for it, and you need to just try. You need to fall on the sword. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But you're going to feel a lot better if it doesn't work out than if you hem and haw mm -hmm. wondering if it will work out. And that's just the truth. And I'll tell you something. You said it intimidated you that I still struggle with those questions. I think that should actually free, yeah. free you up. I think that should free you up. Because I tell you, I once witnessed uh, two friends of mine one of whom was on SNL, one of whom was on The Daily Show. And they, had, they were having that conversation in front of me about, I don't know if things are going to work out. I'm so stressed out. What's the next gig? I'm like, they're on SNL. They're on The Daily Show. If you are an artist, and it sounds like you are, it sounds like you have it in your guts, you got to do it just to do it. And if you have a lot of nervousness, anxiety, awkwardness, you have demons, your success at your art, it's not going to put those things, it's not going to put those fires out anyway. It doesn't solve your problems. But, you still do manage to bring what's in your guts out into the world. And I think that's worth it. And I think that's healthy. But you get, you get, you, you kind of put your own art, all of us, you, you kind of wind up putting your own art on this pedestal where you think it's the end all be all and you think it's going to solve things. Mm -hmm. It's not going to fix a thing about you. That's going to come separately. Well, that that right. process is separate. But your art should still exist because your art might be beautiful. But that's the thing, that's the conclusion or like that's the question I'm asking at this point is I've done a lot of work on myself and like I will admit I'm very nervous and so this is like a bad impression. No, but you're the I best. have <laughs> You're great and you have to Thank stop you. apologizing. 
okay, I'll stop starting now. Um, yeah, so I, I've done the work and I'm, I'm doing it. And I think like I've come so far in the last few years and it's almost like for me, um, I, I went to therapy and my therapist was like, well, it seems like stand up for you is a way to like express yourself and heal. And I got really angry and I was like, no, that is not it. But like, maybe it's a little bit true. But now that, you know, like my demons, like you called them, my demons, I'm exercising them. I'm more aware, like, and I've accepted a lot of like painful truths and all of that. It's almost just like, am I harping on it by still wanting to do it? Cause I still really want to do it. But is it just like, pathologizing or I don't know what the word is, but I'm, is, am I still doing that? Should I like, cause in my head I'm thinking, no, really, if you really were like truly like, you know, just like on the path to be great, you would just move out of your way and do something really selfless and like have a really steady, normal family and like not have this weird, like desire to like go on stage and like talk about yourself. I don't know. Interesting. Because none of those are wrong. None of those are wrong options or bad options. Right. But my, I mean, you called me for a reason, right? You didn't call me so I, I would say, go be a teacher or settle down and have a family. That's not why you get <laughs> Gethard on the phone. You get Gethard on the phone so I can say, well, because here's, here's the thing. It's logic. It's logic, right? You can, mm-hmm. tr- how old are you? 26. 26. So you got some years left where you can try your damnedest to go make this thing work. And if it doesn't work, you Mm -hmm. can still be a teacher and you can still have a family. If you do one of the other things, it cuts this dream off at the past. And then you sit there just like slow bleeding, wondering what would have been. Meanwhile, every time you do an open mic right now, you get to put a Band-Aid on that cut. And then maybe someday it stops bleeding and you're like, you turn around one day and you're like, oh shit, I'm a comedian. I don't feel like a real comedian now. I've been doing it 18 years. Well, what do you mean you don't feel like a real comedian? What's a real comedian to you? I go to the comedy cellar, and I see these guys who throw down so hard and where they go out on the road all Mm -hmm. the time. And I'm like, those are real comedians, and they think I'm not a real comedian. Maybe I'm not a real comedian. But what what are they doing that makes them real? Nothing. This is my own insecurity is my point. It's my own insecurity. And you have your insecurities, and they're not going to go away is the reason I bring it up. I have a TV show. I have a television show. And I'm like, I'm not a real comedian. I'm not a real comedian. You got to do it. But do you you still want to do it? I mean, is the goal to, like, do you still feel like, I don't know what the word is, but do you still feel, like, fulfilled about doing it? Are you happy that you're doing it? Or is it just, like, you feel like you'll never feel like you're a real comedian? Hmm. It's interesting because I've been struggling with this a lot lately because I don't, oh, wow, we might get real. We might get real. <laughs> and of all the ones for some people to be watching on Facebook, because this is the type, I'm, I'm, I'm about to say the type of thing that I might normally say, hey, Jared, we got to cut that part out when it was one-on-one, but hundreds of people are in here. Lately, I wonder if my art is uh, mine anymore. And that's the nature of becoming more successful, right? More people get involved, some being collaborators. Some... I'm sorry, I didn't hear it. You're wondering if your art has become more what? I'm wondering if my art is mine anymore, or at least as much as it used oh. to be. It's shared now, and there's demands on it. What do you mean it. by that? 
Well, there's people who get to tell me what to do because they're investing millions of dollars in a TV show. And they get to tell me what to do. And my instinct very often, as any listener to this podcast knows, is thank you for the input. I'm going to go ahead and do it my way anyway. (laughs) And that doesn't lead to pleasant conversations. That doesn't lead to happy Mm -hmm. people. That doesn't mean someone calls you up on the phone and says, okay, we get your perspective. It means they get your friend JD on the phone and they yell at him for five hours because you ignore them. And I'm not trying to ignore anybody, but I have to, my art needs to be my art. I need to be on my deathbed and be proud of the choices I made artistically and human wise. So you gotta, when you ask if I'm still fulfilled, the answer very honestly is, I don't know. I don't know. Stand up, I feel extremely fulfilled all the time. This podcast, I feel very fulfilled, but sometimes I feel like the podcast is so automatic and I'm, I'm a little bit more of a vessel that helps deliver it because it's not always comedic. But isn't that also great? I mean, I got, I'm lucky. I got a great life. You're still a medium for this. You still made this happen. Yeah. I mean, I have a great life. I have a great life. But if I wasn't the type of person that asked these questions all the time, I wouldn't have gotten successful in the first place, you know? And I hope what you're taking away from this, because I don't want this to be about me. I want it to be about you. I hope what you're taking away from this is the questions you're asking and the struggles you're having right now are very real. And the more success you have, the bigger versions of them are on the way. Um, They never go away. They just become bigger and the pressure becomes bigger. So you got to ask if you want that pressure too. But you sound fucked up in a way where you'd be a good comedian. Thank you, you sound fucked up. You, apolog- you apologize and you're constantly nervous and you don't know if you want to do it. Most good comedians I know fit that, all three of those. That's like the jack, like it just came up three sevens on the slot machine. And I've had very successful comedians, t- like, like I've had comedy angels tell me like, you need to fucking do this. But I'm still missing that gene of like, get your ass up and do this. Like, you want this so bad. You're t- constantly talking about it. your poor friends. Like have to hear this all fucking day. You're projecting so much anger every day at work. It's getting like worse and worse. Yeah. But I'm I'm scared. And the real part of it, and it's like, you know, there's like the nice, more I don't know, like abstract part, which is like I'm scared because I really want it, and you're scared of things you really want because it might not work out. But then the other real part is maybe I'm just a lazy fuck because like no one holds your hand and you just go to these open mics and it's 90% like white dudes. And I just feel like I'm bitching about them. And like, sometimes they do laugh and I like go on stage and prove them wrong. And I love that. I, I love proving people wrong Yeah. or like surprising people. But I mean, I guess I'm just too early. Like I'm too early in my career if I could even call it that, but I'm just like, what's the next step? Like, I just feel like, individually I enjoy them, but just the way I'm wired, I like need to make plans and be like, okay, is this great? Because I go to my nine to five and then I do this and I'm exhausted and it's fine. But I also am asking myself, like, I mean, can this actually be a thing one day? And then there's like my parents and they are older and kind of need me. So I feel extra like selfish. So yeah, I'm going to stop there. (laughs) I get it all. I get it all. Um, and I've been there so many times. And uh, can I ask, uh, do you live in a, a major metropolitan area? Yeah, I live in L.A. Oh, so, <laughs> no excuses there. So, yeah, there's a million shows to be done there. 
And when yeah. you and that means when you say you have when you have good comics telling you to do it, that's for real. LA, this is not this is not uh this is not the best people in your scene. This is people who are working, I'd imagine. This, these are people who have busted through in the way you're thinking. Yeah. And did you move to LA to do it? Or did you grow up in LA? No, I, I grew up here. Big Ar- and I'm the kind of like there's a big Armenian community Sorry, in LA, you. right? Big Armenian yes. community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I want It's to... kind of like Oh, you go yeah, for go it. Ahead, no, please. you go for it. <laughs> no, I want to hear what you say. I know what I think. <laughs> I was going to say I once rear-ended I once rear-ended a guy in the Armenian <gasps> in the Armenian section of LA and I've never been more terrified in my life. Never been more scared okay, in my life. Did he did he, did he also tell you like let's just handle this in longer shells like let's not handle insurance and like don't did you kind of love that though 100 percent insurance is just like fucking both of you over and they know that so like like they scare me too like the really like scary typical armenian guys like but they also know what's up and they're really real and he probably had a really good good heart and called you friend and said let's just sort this out ourselves well i'll tell you right well he did say sort this out ourselves to this day he he made me later meet him in the parking lot of a ralph supermarket and give him four (laughs) hundred dollars cash he said that someone in his family value i have no idea if there was any damage to the car here's why i gave it to him anyway though because here's the real turn I tapped this guy. I rented a car at a place. I shouldn't name the name. Although, you know, rent a wreck. This is a legendary place in LA. I rented a wreck. And I was getting used to driving it. I was driving maybe three blocks. And I, I just, uh, I, 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 was, I, I was like zoned out a little bit. And I wasn't used to driving this car. Hit the brakes. Tapped this guy pretty light. Pretty light. He gets out. He's in a rage. I'm like, oh, oh man. And immediately I'm like, he shouldn't be this angry. Like, is this guy on steroids or something? Is he a roid rage? What's going it's on? A, it's a front. It's a front. Like, no, the, I'll tell you what it was. I'm defending them too hard? I'll tell you what, what it was. Then the passenger side door gets open. His wife, <gasps> his wife steps wife? out. About yeah, you, he probably has, eight and a half right. months pregnant. Eight and a half months pregnant, oh, I would shit. say. And he was just in that expecting dad rage. And I was like, oh, I get it Yeah, now. so it was like layered rage, like Armenian oh, dad yeah. rage and then the expecting dad rage. Yeah, yeah. And I had to go give him 400 bucks in a parking lot. But like, it's kind of better, right? Because the oh, rental, the it would complicate things. 100%. I was totally down. And the car and I was I driving. for a second? Oh, yeah, go for it. Go for it. I feel like, like I once got told by my previous boss. Ooh, I'm calling her out. She was a politician and all about like, you know, she was very progressive in a lot of ways, but she was like, I think you're white. And it's so fucked up to tell someone how they're perceived because I know my experience and it's not like, it's not the suffering Olympics. It's like, I know how I'm, how, how I've experienced things. And like, there, yeah, like there is like different experiences and I'm not like, I don't have the worst of it, but I've had shit and I don't feel like I'm white. And there's this thing where Armenians are ethnic enough to like totally like they're butt of the jokes everywhere. But like, like somehow it's okay to like shit on them because they're ethnic enough, but not that ethnic. So it's kind of safe. It's kind of like Russians or something, but like Russians hate us. We're like the black people of Russia. So like, let's not even like associate us with them. Wow. And that's a great time to hit the pause button. I'm going to let that one roll around in everybody's head. I'm certain there's going to be opinions there. And uh, let's formulate them 
Let's take a breath. You know what? Let's stretch out, relax, hear about some products and some services from our advertisers. And we'll be back with more phone call. Studying for standardized tests doesn't have to be boring or stressful. Magoosh online test prep provides students everywhere with effective, accessible, and enjoyable test prep for exams like the GRE, GMAT, ACT, SAT, and IELTS. At magoosh.com, you'll find tons of practice questions, study schedules, video lessons, and access to our expert tutor team if you need extra help. If you're retaking the test, Magoosh offers a score improvement guarantee. Study materials are always up to date and super relevant to the questions students will be answering on the actual tests. Here's a few testimonials from students who have used and loved Magoosh. Quote, I liked that it was an online prep tool, and when I read about its video lessons, flashcard apps, and score predictors, I was sold. These features are unique and a refreshing change from the commonplace prep tools that offer practice questions and practice tests. Unquote. Here's another one. Quote, Magoosh seemed to be by far the best option, a program I could use whenever I liked, following my own schedule. End quote. Who doesn't like that? Follow your own schedule. Here's another one. When I saw my score, I was so happy I wanted to cry. That about sums it up, right? Visit Magoosh, that's M-A-G-O-O-S-H dot com. Enter the promo code BEAUTIFUL for a 20% off discount. Thanks again to all the advertisers who helped make this show happen. Now let's get back to the phone call. But like Russians hate us. We're like the black people of Russia. So like, let's not even like associate us with them. Wow. So I have this weird love-hate defensive relationship with like, Wow. You know, there's a lot of problematic stuff, but yeah. also like, I just realize like, hey, sorry, you didn't, you didn't need that anger, but also I'm not supposed to apologize to you. Yeah, no, and I was no almost going to gonna say I'm sorry. Don't do it. Who cares? <laughs> I will say, okay. I will say, I get the sense of two things in LA and, and I think New York has an Armenian community too, but this speaks to, since I get in yeah. LA is that it's a little bit of a hidden culture within LA. Like there's a, Mm -hmm. there's a uh, community of Armenians where it seems like things are kind of handled in the community. I also know people make a lot of jokes about that community, specifically about being scared of that community, but it's, it feels like some stereo, Mm -hmm. some stereotypes there. Like, it seems like the don't fuck with the Armenians, don't even don't fuck around with them is a pretty omnipresent Mm -hmm. thing regarding the LA Armenian community. Yeah. And for me, like one big way, like I interact with that stereotype is like dating because they're like, oh, well, your dad's going to kill me. So I can't ask you out. And it's just like, there's different kinds of Armenians. And like, yes, there's like, we're like the older generation is very insular. And like, there's a lot of like sexism and for sure, there's a lot of problematic stuff, but I'm very Americanized. Like, it's like this dual identity. Like, I don't feel completely one way or another like i'm in in between kind of these worlds but i i don't know i i, I get that they're intimidating um so yeah I don't, and then the other thing is like with dating i we're covering so many topics i don't know i love it but yeah with dating it's just like <laughs> how do you like so many men like fetishize or whatever like me and i'm like all right do we really need to do that but also i'm grateful and this is like a lot of my comedy material. So thank you for the comedy material. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. Sort it out. Someone named Lauren, Lauren <laughs> on Facebook says her husband's Armenian. She wants to know if you love Lama June. Oh, yeah. It's really good. <laughs> it's like, it's basically Armenian pizza. Yeah. That's what she said, too. That sounds good. 
Armenian pizza sounds good. Be a comedian. You're 26. Give yourself until you're 30 to just eat shit. Who cares? Who cares? Go be tough. But it's like... Stop apologizing. Do I be... Like, I'm too consumed with the, like, okay, like, how do I how do I get to a point where I can actually, like, go and see, like, how can I play in front of audience? I'm too concerned and, like, preoccupied with the final result without actually putting in results. But you said, like, that drive for you helps you. It does. That questioning, that constant drive. But I, it's also stopping me from doing it because I'm paralyzed with the, like, how do I get successful? Because it's so hard, you go to an open mic and then you're like, okay, what do I do? Do I do this for five years? And then at some point someone like taps me on the shoulder and they're like, you're in? Like, what happens? I don't know. Here's what happens. First of all, it's different for everybody. Here's what happens. First of all, first, here's what happens. You keep doing the open mics. You start to find people who are sane, who aren't just insane you know, everybody knows you go to open mics and, and sometimes you just hear somebody get up and it's like, these aren't even jokes. You're just talking about how you like hate women and it's not even jokes. Right. You're just like saying homophobic stuff isn't even jokes and it's miserable. Right. And then every fifth open mic, you see someone where you're like, that person's good. And you go up to them and you say, you're good. Mm -hmm. And they say, I've seen you. You're good too. And then you say, what other mics do you go to? And then they tell you where the good mics are and you tell them where the good mics are. And they say, you want to maybe go together sometime? And then you start texting and you say, you text them, hey, I'm hitting up this mic tonight. You want to come? Oh, I can't make it tonight, but let's do dinner afterwards. And then you have friends and you have a crew and then your crew starts to rise. You have a community. And you all start to bond together and you start putting on your shows. Hey, let's stop doing an open mic. Let's get the eight of, let's get the 10 of us. Let's put on a show once a month. It'll be like three of us on every show. And then we'll try to book two bigger acts every show and just try to rub elbows with them. Mm. Yeah, form a little crew. First of all, that's the, that's the actual mechanics of it. Also, you say you have better comedians telling you, you got to do it. More veteran experienced comedians. Hey, you got to step up. You got something. You got to keep doing it. Well, you say to them, all right. Let me open for you sometime. And you just take a chance. Just go, hey, how about this? You got a smaller show? Let me open for you sometime. And then the worst they say is, no, nah, you're not ready yet. And you go, how about in a year? And then they go, okay, get touch base. You just get yourself on stage. And here's the other thing I'm going to say. Here's the other thing I'm going to say. <laughs> is, uh, is that you were saying, like, I'm so worried about the results. And I'm thinking so hard about how it ends. You don't get to decide how it ends. And this is something that every young artist needs to understand. It took me way little, too long. Mm-hmm. The result is not up to you. You get to make it and put it out there. And that's all you get to do. Mm-hmm. We have it in our head. I'll make it. I'll write my jokes. I'll put my jokes out there. Someone will notice. I'll get a writing job. I'll wind up uh, doing character acting on this show. I'll wind up going on the road. No, you don't get to decide that third part. You make it and you put it out there. And then you try to be a really smart person, a social person who's not scared to link up with the other people you like, a person mm. who when other better, more veteran people give you compliments, you say, that's awesome. Let's grab a cup of coffee sometime or let's do more shows together or are there, are there shows you came up doing that I should know about because I really respect you and I like you. You got to stop apologizing. You got to stop worrying about the results. You make a thing. You put the thing out in the world. That's the part you get to do as an artist. Some of my favorite artists, no one ever caught on. Mm -hmm. No one ever caught on. Henry Darger. You know who Henry Darger is? No. He was an insane man in Chicago who was a complete hermit. 
children in his neighborhood were scared of him. He's a weird guy. Mm-hmm. He goes to the hospital. His landlords lived downstairs from him and like never, ever saw the guy. They go up in his room. They find all these insane, giant, beautiful watercolor paintings. This guy wound up writing a novel that was about 20,000 pages long. No one ever read it. And no one ever saw the paintings. He was just making them in his room for him to make them. He was a hermit. He never shared them with the world. Now he's considered like the godfather of American folk art. And he died. And his art has become this legendary thing. He just made it to make it. And you got to make it to make it. And I will say this. My friend, if you don't want to do it and you're sitting around questioning too much longer, go do the other things. And this is tough love. But if you don't need to do it, if you don't need to be an artist, why would you ever do it? Because it's hard and no one wants to hear about how hard it is because there's people with much harder lives. Nobody wants to hear about it. You made all the choices. Got mm-hmm. stuff. So if there's something else you'd be happy doing, do that. But I don't – from listening to you, I don't know if you'd ever be totally happy. You sound like you are being very nice, nice now but have a quiet rage inside you. You've indicated this a few times. That's- that is um, really astute of you, and I didn't know that until I took improv, and even though it wasn't my favorite, I realized my emotion of choice was rage, and I never have thought about myself <laughs> as that person. And then your I was teachers like, whoa, like, your teachers I always like, thought I was out. a sad bitch. <laughs> yeah. I always thought I was a sad bitch, she says. Wow. Uh, where did you take your improv classes? Uh, UCB. Yeah. That's the place. Yeah. I probably know the teacher who yelled yeah. at you for being too angry all the time. <laughs> no, she she didn't. She actually encouraged more. But I, I just noticed, I was like, wow, I'm really going for anger every time. Uh, but I just want to say thank you for like, that was that was tough love. That was like a real answer, but still empowering in a way. I mean, you still are, my the decision is still mine to make because... Yeah. You're like, hey, like, if you don't want to do it, don't do, or if you don't have to do it, but it's, I don't know. And then it's like, you you just have to make that choice. Cause I, my first therapist, I'm saying like my first ex-wife or whatever, she just was like, yeah, just be a teacher and then write on the weekends. But like, bad trend. I don't think it like caters to that no. lifestyle. You kind of need this like madness of just like roaming around and like, I don't know, but I think I'm going to keep that with me. The fact that you're saying that you just make it and it's not up to me. Like the, you just put it out there and yeah, you still be smart so you can be seen. Well, you already know so much. You already know so much. The fact that that shrink would say to you, be a teacher and then write on the weekends and you're like, nah, I don't think that works. Fuck that. You got to go all in. You already know more than you're giving Mm -hmm. yourself credit for. But I will tell you for anyone, not just artists, maybe is one Mm -hmm. of the least healthy mind spaces to live in. Maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do that. You're going to drive yourself nuts. You're going to drive yourself nuts. Have you ever been that way or do you just do it and then self-reflect after? On my best days, I just relentlessly create and I don't worry about it. And everything I've ever made that anyone has given a shit about is something I made because I was mm-hmm. like, I need to get this out of my guts and out of my head. The stuff where I sat right. and thought, oh, maybe I'll write a spec script about this thing, right. this thing, blah, blah, blah. Waste of fucking time. Waste of time. But when I'm like, I have a show in my head. I need to get it out. And I wind up on public access TV and then people are calling from all over the world telling me it means something to them. That's I've, 
obviously I struck out trying to pitch that show around before I went on public access for half a decade of my life. <laughs> you got the, everything I've ever made that anyone cares about is because it came from my guts. Even this show, I said, I think, I think people are tired of hearing podcasts where celebrities pat each other on the back. I think regular right. people need a platform. Let me try it. And I'll tell you, I'll call out Earwolf. Earwolf initially said, eh, we're not sure. And then episode one drops. <laughs> Who's the man now, dog? <laughs> I feel like instinctually I, I know this, but it's in the inaction where I freak out too much about, oh, what if, what if? And then when I'm doing it and have that, I'm just so, I feel like completely... I don't know. It's like, it's a little bit scary because when, when I do it, I'm so like, I run kind of on such a, I don't know. I'm like, let's say there's like, as people operate on like a one, I'm like a negative one sometimes. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, like throughout the day a lot, a lot. But with comedy, it's like I took two lines of Coke and I'm just like, yes, I have so many ideas. Well, that's a sign. Like, I want to do this. And I'm just so, and it's like a lot. But then I don't do it, and that's where the anxiety comes from. Well, that's me too. The only I'm sitting on it. The only thing that makes me happy, and that's why I knew I had to do it forever, even though it was terrifying. It's the only thing that makes you happy. Then do it, and do it for real, because you know how. You're telling me you don't know how, but you know exactly how, and you know that. Yeah. You know how. You're just scared. You're just scared. And that's okay. Don't wait till the fear goes away. Do it now. Coexist with the fear. You're not going to eliminate the fear. So you got to stand on stage knowing that the fear is going to be standing right over your shoulder. The fear is your friend at the end of the day. The fear is not going away. So if you want to wait until you feel confident before you start, you never start. How many shows a week do you do? Um, like one or two if I'm lucky. So I I just started this class to, like, I guess, be more consistent. Mm-hmm. Now, you know stand-up classes, some have a good reputation and some have a very – there are a lot of comedians that say classes um, sometimes are not are not great. And there's comedians who say this in a harsher fashion, but because you could just be doing open mics – and I bet you could be doing five open mics a week. Yeah. I make excuses a lot, too. I'm like, oh, I'm tired. My job. Yeah. I'm tired. <laughs> no. You know there's excuses. You got to ignore the excuses. I don't know. I just want to see you do it. <laughs> the hell was that noise? It sounds like you just got attacked by um, so like, I just creatures from a sci-fi movie. Work. And there's, like, people um, just walking around. It's, like, you know, typical, beautiful, anonymous. Like, I'm in the, I actually was in the bathroom, and I got the alert. And I was like, ah! And I had the courtesy to, like, wash my hands. And then I came outside. Might lose my job. It's okay. <laughs> Maybe that would be <laughs> the best kidding. result. I don't know. Maybe the be- that's the best thing that could happen from your call. I know that. I'm, I'm egging people. I'm poking them. How? To be, like, fire me. What do you do? I like this. I like when your rage comes out. Tell me what you do to get them to fire you. 
That's a cliffhanger, baby. Everybody wants to see the rage. Feel the rage. You're going to have to wait just a couple minutes to feel and see that rage, but come back because the rage is coming. You're laying in bed. Sunlight comes streaming through the blinds. It bothers you. It wakes you up. You're grumpy. You don't want to get out of bed. Oh, wait. Yes, you do want to get out of bed because it's time for a Thomas's Original Nooks and Crannies English Muffin. This is the only breakfast brand that delivers a one-of-a-kind eating experience like this. There's nothing quite like that Nooks and Crannies texture. Perfectly toasted to give you irresistibly crispy edges with a soft, warm center. Take it from a true fan. You can hear it. You can hear it in my voice. I ate two of these last week. Two English muffins. I love them. Now, the secret to revealing that perfect nooks and crannies goodness every time, you're going to want to gently pull apart your Thomas's English muffin. Get those halves separated. Use a fork to split them. Don't use a knife. Okay? Be classy about it. Be gentle about it. It's an English muffin. It deserves your time, attention, and care. Lightly toast each half. Top them right away. Right when they pop out of that toast, you get the butter right in there. You know that's the key. You know that's the key. You watch that butter melt and pool inside those amazing little nooks and cranny spaces. It's a delicious burst of flavor in every warm, toasty, buttery bite. If you haven't had them already, you have to toast and butter some Thomas's Nooks and Crannies English muffins. They are truly like no other. Hello, everybody. I want to tell you about some special episodes of the Katie Couric Podcast. Our old friend Katie Couric has been hard at work making a new documentary series with National Geographic. It's called America Inside Out. In America Inside Out, Katie crisscrosses the country and sits down with the people on the front lines of the most pivotal, contentious, and often confusing topics in American culture today. And on her podcast, Katie and her co-host, Brian Goldsmith, are continuing the conversation, diving deep into topics like the debate over Confederate monuments and how our big tech companies messing with our brains and our humanity. It's cool stuff, interesting stuff. To hear Katie take on these and other meaty topics, just search Katie Couric on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks again to all of our sponsors. You helped me bring this show to the world for free. Now let's finish off the phone call. I like when your rage comes out. Tell me what you do to get them to fire you. I just have this, like, I'm very overqualified for this job. And everyone's just, like, wondering, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> and instead of being, like, cute about it for the first two weeks, I was. I was like, oh, I'm here to move up the ladder. I just, I'm open about it now. And I'm just like, ugh. Okay, I read like fucking Toni Morrison in my spare time. I'll copy this. And they're like babying me on how to scan it like a document. Yeah. And I just lash out kind of on people. What and you... like one of my coworkers, yeah. What's the what's the most uh what's the most consistent source of your internal rage? What triggers it the most? I think I need to like pinpoint it. I don't I don't know. It's just like I think it's like this bitterness of like no i i know better and i know the kind of the the cards i'm handed but like sometimes the other person they won't meet me where i'm at they won't meet me in the middle whether it's dating whether it's life and it's just like this bitterness like this old jewish man of like that's me did you just say there's an old jewish man who lives inside you yeah you effectively just say you're a 26-year-old Armenian lady who has an old Jewish man living inside you expressing bitterness? For sure. Wow. For sure. Even, like, even the pervy part, the creepy part, that's 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. You got a pervy side, too, <laughs> a creepy pervy part. Yeah. <laughs> like a depraved, creepy, like even more creepy Woody Allen. What He's does that mean? Neurotic, That's you? <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. I don't know. I just, I like, I don't know. Are we are we going there? I don't know. Just like it's weird shit, you. and just we like don't have to go there. But it's, I like secrets. You like but secrets? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear the rage come out. I want to flip this lack of confidence into rage. What do I got to do to get it to come out in the course of this call? Okay. Um, you can ask me about my dating life. That's an easy one. What's but going I don't on? know if that's like. What's going on with your you dating don't life? Hear about that. That's What's going on with your dating life? Well, I live in LA and I think that's like even the word toxic. I don't want to use LA of me to say toxic, but it is. And just the dates I go on are like, I'm like, I'm kind of hungry. I'm trying to like look good. And then I go on a date with like a mediocre white man <laughs> who's nerdy. And I can't okay, cool his, it. his interest in Calm down. I'm a mediocre, nerdy white man myself, so... No, you're not. I'm very mediocre. No, I mean, I'm extremely no, mediocre. No, I mean in terms of, like, you don't think you, like, the world owes you everything. No, I'm not one of those guys. Like, you're... No, I'm a fan of white men, but just the one... <laughs> like, trust me, I'm like, you know, my dating history is, like, very not diverse, which kind of probably that's where my fucking problems go, but not really. I don't know. Like, ugh. I just hate that it's like, and the people like well-meaning, older-meaning ladies are like, when are you getting married? And then it's like, I don't want that. But then you think you're liberated by like going on dates and being like, no, I'm going to choose someone who's compatible and gets me. And then that's like, really, does that fucking exist? And like, I get shit like guys saying like, I have a Taco Bell body. Like, you can't say that. Like Someone said that to I you? I don't. I, yes. And I'm not making it up. A man People used the fr- a man on a date said you have a Taco Bell body. Was this an effort to like? This neg? is what he said. Was this like a player? No, because he he what he did was we went on a date. He had five beers, which was like okay, all right, cool. And um, he told me, you know, as he was like probably like, you know, tipsy or whatever, he was just like, oh yeah, um, my black coworker would love you. And I was like, okay, like that's not problematic at all. And uh, and then he was, and I was just like, what do you mean? Like, I don't even have big ass. If we're gonna stereotype, he's like, no, it's it's kind of you know. And I'm like, okay, all right. He's like, you know, it's kind of like you know, you're not thin, you're not you're not fat, you're just like you know, Taco Bell body. You said you like Taco Bell. I'm like, okay. all right. And then when something like that happens to you. And it reminds me of my childhood getting bullied. I think that's where the rage comes from too. Oh, is like I share that. Yeah, I share that. I mean, do I pick a story? There's a lot. I just got teased a lot. Whatever. You and want. like it was just like I like I got teased by my cousins a lot, and then my you know my peers at school, and I just was so humiliated in the moment. It's kind of like that flight. Um, what is it? Flight or. Fight or flight. Fight, but there's freeze, and I was freezing, and I was just like, oh, shit. Like, I remember one time, do you know what Chinese jump rope is? Chinese jump? I know what a Chinese <laughs> fire drill is. 
Chinese junk. <laughs> it's like basically like hopscotch or something. I don't know. It's like a game that kids play, and you have to put your like. I don't know how to describe it. Like the fob in me is coming out. But you're, you're just like skipping rope kind of. And if you have bigger legs, legs it's going to be easier for the other person to play when you're holding the rope. Mm-hmm. And so I remember my quote-unquote friend was like, hey, I want to like play when is on because it'll be easier. And Let's it was so humiliating. So I'm like, oh, sh-. You got to bleep that name. But it's a very common name, so nobody's going to identify you based on that. We're going to flag the name right there. Sorry. Bleep the name. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, see, I got I got caught up in my rage. <laughs> um, I get it. I yeah. get it. These people have been messing and with you your whole life. And they're like, hey, like, let's play where when she's playing cause she has bigger thighs. And I'm just, like, humiliated because I'm like, oh, shit, you found out. I was hoping you wouldn't notice, but you noticed. So, like, let's just glaze over this. I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to dwell on it because that means I fucking noticed. So, and then, like, five years or 15 years later, you're just like, fuck you. Like, you put on some weight after elementary school. Yeah. Like, we're even now. I might yeah. even look better than you. Yeah. But, yeah. Look at that. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm just very bitter, I guess. But I'm also like a happy, peaceful, love and peace. That shit makes me happy too. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be like super negative. I don't see it as negative. I truly like, I think that kind of stuff is funny. And like when I hear other people say it and I can relate to it, it's just, it. I laugh and I laugh from like my belly and it feels really nice. Because it's like, if someone has gone through shit and suffering, I'm just like, oh, instant friend. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, yeah. you, you link up. You feel empathy for the other people who uh, have taken their licks in life. Yeah. Wow. I get it. You have all the trap. Bullied. <laughs> dating problems. Internal rage. Lack of confidence. Yeah, you're a comedian. <laughs> we have we have about 17 minutes left, by the way. Oh, wow. I just, it's so funny because, like, I, I feel like I would know exactly what to talk about with you if I wasn't actually on. Like, so I've just, like, kind of given up on, like, oh, that would never happen. Like, so now, actually, when I have the chance to talk to you, I'm just like, being annoying probably and trying to I don't oh. know. Why do you why do you undercut yourself so much? Why do you undercut Armenians yourself? Armenians do that too. It's like a humili- humility thing, like it's cute. And I think women do that too. Like yeah. isn't there something really unlikable to a lot of people about like a confident woman who's just like you compliment her, she's like, Thank you and you're like, Whoa, you weren't supposed <laughs> to accept that. I mean, first of all, I think that's sad. But second of all, there's a middle ground between uh, hum- humility and you telling me that I find you annoying when I don't. That's you getting <laughs> like, in your own way. That's my, yeah. It's like, oh, he's annoyed for an hour. No, I'm having fun. I'm doing my job. <laughs> I'm lucky. I get to do those things at the same time. So wait, let's say you become a teacher. Let's say you become a teacher. Would you be mm-hmm. would you be psyched on that, for real? And I'm not leading it anywhere. 
I don't know what that looks like because I can romanticize that job. I have worked with kids and like, it's kind of like being a parent where I like certain parts. Like I'd be a cool aunt, but I don't know if I'm ready to be a parent. Mm -hmm. So with teaching, I know it's like, I've thought about like, okay, well, it's, I don't know what that's like. I'm sure it's very demanding and there's a huge uh, turnover or dropout rate. And there's like, you know, they're like, it's highly controlled. And I think comedy to me is like, you kind of get to be your own boss. I mean, you still said like, there's still like the idea of it not being your work, but with teaching, it's like, there's the curriculum and SAT scores and all of that. And I, I just feel like it would be something where I'd be happy. It's mm-hmm. like a safe choice. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's what I'm, that's how I'm thinking about it. But I, I don't know. And, and really when I, want to think about that that's because i'm scared of like what if this doesn't work out and i'm 40 and like childless and like that would be that would make more sense to be the sweet teacher in the sweet dress and like if she doesn't have kids and a family or she probably will because she's sweet and like men will be like she's sweet let me wife her up whereas like me like putting all my chips in this is like scary but also it's kind of like exciting i like that so yeah (laughs) someone on facebook brit Britt Marie just said, I'm a teacher. It's harsh. You have to want it. Don't do it if you don't want it. No, and I, I, I'm not downplaying that job at all. I mean, yeah, I can see that. that that's, it, it just it appeals to me. I, I met like safe more in terms of like you can go to school and like I think there's um, a shortage of teachers. So it's mm-hmm. more of like traditional in that sense where you can go to school and get your license on all of that whereas yeah with stand-up it's just like yeah you're just putting it out there and hopefully someone is listening i tell you what about two weeks ago i was taking it on the chin at my tv show we're not getting good numbers and uh there's been some creative conversations that have been very difficult hello Uh, yeah hi I'm in the middle. I'm trying to. Hi. I'm trying to get all heartfelt here. Sorry, I didn't hear that. I know. I was. I was I'm like, can you please, please repeat that? I don't. I couldn't well, hear that. I was just saying, I had a real hard week at work with the TV show, and I was feeling very, very stressed, mm-hmm. and very panicky, and like I was letting a lot of people down. And I was walking home, Jackson Heights, Queens. I walk past the coffee shop that I go to all the time. I look inside, mm-hmm. and there's a comedy show happening, and I didn't even know they held comedy shows. And I walk in, and there's maybe eight people in there total, and four of them were comics. And uh, Mm -hmm. the owner, who I know, and he knows I'm a comic, he's very supportive, he comes up to me. Mm -hmm. He's like, do you want to do this show? I was like, dude, I didn't even know you were putting on comedy shows. He's like, yeah, it's just so small. I didn't want to waste your time. I was like, are you kidding? I get to do a show like a block from my house? It's amazing. And there are eight people there. And I mean, I'm not a big deal, but I had an HBO special last year. I go on the road, I perform sometimes for hundreds, if not thousands of people. But I tell you, I walked into that coffee shop. They let me do 10 minutes. Eight people saw it. And it was the best mm-hmm. 10 minutes of my week. It was the best 10 minutes of my week by far. And I couldn't... What made it? I couldn't not do comedy. I'd explode. Mm-hmm. My head would explode. And... It, I don't know if you feel that way about it, but uh, if you do, you got to stop apologizing. You're like going hot and cold on me. (laughs) In what sense? 
you're like, you should do it. No, you you check off the boxes. Well, I'm saying absolutely, absolutely, you and should then, do it. Absolutely, you should do it. But if you if you would be happy, if you would be happy doing anything else, go do that because you're gonna feel this way forever if you do it. But you're not gonna feel this way as much as you do right now because right now you're pulling that thing. Can I just be frank? Do you want more tough love? Yes, please. Stop pulling the bullshit where you say you don't know how it works. You know how it works. You're scared, and you're admitting that, and that's commendable. Just go try. Give it a year, and go try, and go hard, and do and do an open mic every day, and okay. interact with a comic every day, and do it. And I because I bring up that story because I tell you, if I only got to do shows for eight people in a coffee shop, I would still be at my happiest. That was me at my happiest when I already have a TV show. And a big podcast, and I get to tour. My happiest yeah. 10 minutes of that week when all that other stuff's going on. Me and a microphone, eight people, two of them 15-year-olds on a date, a 15-year-old couple on a date, and me doing crowd work about Jackson Heights, New York. You guys ever, uh, <laughs> what's your favorite song that the guy who plays classic rock on the corner of 76th Street? What's your favorite song from classic rock, man? Ten, the 10 happiest um, minutes of my week doing what I love comedy and if it makes you happy do it that hard and don't fucking apologize all the time artists you can't be an artist and apologize for it and i struggle with that hard because i hate myself you gotta i don't hate my art i'll apologize for everything except my art yeah it's i don't want to make excuses and i'm i'm i Ultimately, there are no excuses. And it's, I don't think this is necessarily stopping me, but I just feel like there's no way my parents could know. And I mean, they would just think it's shameful. So I internalize that. And every day, like, I kind of wake up in the morning and there's, I, I don't know why, like, when I think about, like, oh, you want to do comedy? Like, I feel really embarrassed. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but I don't know why. The, it's I feel embarrassed, like shameful. Like, what are you doing? You're embarrassing yourself. Sometimes, I mean, especially in my early days, this is, this is why I'm getting so worked up. This is why I'm getting pissed off because you're saying thoughts that I thought for years and all I did when I look back was I just wasted time and I had chances that I didn't take because I was scared and I could have saved myself a few years of pure stress, and I could have just at the very least had better, more con- commendable stress in my life. But yeah, yeah. At some point, you got to do it. I mean, what what did you do that you feel like you wasted time, or how? I sat around wondering if I should do it or not. Sat around feeling embarrassed, feeling apologetic. Here's the thing, too: you apologize for it, and you don't really mean it. And then somebody else goes, oh, yeah, I've been wondering what's up with that. And immediately you just convinced yourself. Someone else just validated your bullshit opinion that you don't even really have. You know what I mean? You spend all this time embarrassed and apologizing, and it's your own insecurity. Then you put it out in the world, and it becomes more real because you're saying it, and other people are receiving that message. Can't be embarrassed. Mm. And Because here's the thing. I stopped being embarrassed. At some point I was like, I'm a comedian Oh, yeah. Just having these conversations, undercutting myself, being self-deprecating because I was embarrassed. And then at some point I was like, you know what? No, I'm a fucking comedian. I get to go on stage. And if other people laugh, that means I'm not so fucking alone. 
I feel alone right. and weird and in my head all the time. And then I say some shit. And sometimes I don't even expect that part to get a laugh. And other people start laughing. And I'm like, oh, my God, thank God. There's other people in the world who feel as fucked up and lonely as I do. And then you right. realize they're laughing. Oh, that must they must be having the same feeling. I'm not as alone. And then you realize, man, maybe, maybe some of us aren't just chasing validation and fame and careers and money. Maybe some of us want to make comedy and make art to make other people feel better. And that's what got me over it. It's not about me. It's not about if I'm embarrassed. Right. It's not about how I feel. I put career suicide out. I was fucking terrified. And I hear the saddest things from people all the time. And I'm like, I'm going to be known as the sad guy forever. But you know what? I've also <laughs> had people tell me that they understand their kids more. And I've had people tell me that that someone who in their family killed themselves, that they 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 understand a little bit more. And that, it's like... It's not about me. It's about that. And I got brought out to talk to the fucking Navy, to a Navy squadron about depression. And I had people come up to me saying, I've never told anybody this in my life, but this job's so fucking high pressure and I question what I do. And, and right. you're saying shit that I've thought. In the same way that I hear songs and certain lyrics, I'm like, I've thought that. In the same way that I watched that Gary Shandling documentary and every line in his journal, I was like, oh my God, I've thought that. You got to stop being embarrassed because it's not about you. And there might be other people who get something out of it and you're holding back on them. And that's not cool. There's other girls out there who were told they have thick thighs who need to hear you get angry about it because they're not in a position to. Yeah. <laughs> Are you crying? No. Sounds like you're crying. Why did you get so crying? Was I a dickhead? Was I, was I a dickhead? You are crying. You lied. You're lying. No. Lying because you fear vulnerability. Because um. you fear vulnerability and you're embarrassed of vulnerability, so you're crying and you're scared. It's not about you. It's about the other scared people. Help them. If you're in a position, do you think you're funny? Yes or no? Gut instinct. When, um, when I'm not trying, I think so. Well, then you've already got that figured out. You're ahead of the curve on so many things. That's the perfect answer. Many people, it takes people five, six years to figure that out. I got to stop trying so hard. If you're funny and you have the ability to say something and you have this gut instinct that it's what you need to be doing, and all that's holding you back is your insecurity, that's not fair because it's not about you. It's about the work. And it's about what other people can take away from it. I think you just like adopted or you adopted this philosophy that I think like would lead me or I think is like the, the path I want to take to life. But you you made comedy seem that way or you're making comedy seem that way. And I've never thought about it that way. And you saying how I don't really believe it's bullshit, bullshit, but just putting it out there. Like you just picked up on that. I mean, like, I don't know. You, you've, you've done this for a while. And I just, the fact that you picked up on it and like, it's that tough love where you're just like, Hey, like, 
drop it. If you if you don't buy it, then don't, don't put it out there. Yeah. And you can think you're bullshit. I think I'm bullshit all the time. But if you think your work might not be bullshit, do not hide it from the people who might need it. You know? I think about there's people there's people who sign up for the Red Cross and the Peace Corps and those are heroes. There's people mm-hmm. who join the military for the right reason and those are heroes. I am not one of those people. But on my best days, I'm like, man, someone shows up to one of my shows and they they've had a real shitty day and then I make them laugh for the first time that day. That's a good service to provide. And on my best days, that's what I'm doing. So you can think you're bullshit. I think I'm bullshit. But the work is not bullshit. And if you think you have something to say that's not bullshit, it's not about you. Get out of your own way because it's not about you. Yeah. You got any shows lined up tonight? Michael's asking. I mean, Michael on Facebook wants to know you got any shows lined up after this call. No, because I'm supporting my friend's dream because that's easier. What's your friend's dream? She wants to be a singer and a songwriter, and I've I encouraged her to quit her job because she's in a place where she has oh, savings yes. and people who can support her, and and she's finally doing it, and she's recording an album and and help and she has help with people from the industry, and I'm I'm going to her, her teacher show, and that's awesome. And you helped her get there. Yeah, that's a per. If you're not doing your own show, going to see that show, very good alternative. Yeah. So you, you're the one who tells other people to get out of their own way. Because I'm at that breaking point, like you said, where you're just like, you finally were like, screw this. Like, I'm, I'm tired of hearing me complain. Like, it's not cute anymore. And it's draining. And it's not, at some point, you don't believe it. Because it, at some point, it was easier to buy into that because you're a victim. And that's easier. But you're at a breaking point. You're like, no, it's, it's not that, you know, dramatic and sometimes dramatic is romantic. The world isn't screwing you over. You can do this and just, just do it. Just, it's, it's not always about like, maybe someone will discover me right away or like, it's not going to happen. It's either, it's like, it's kind of life and it's this in between and it's not super glamorous, but it can be magical sometimes, but it's when you're like, kind of not thinking about it. And I, I know this. And like you said, like, you know, these things, but like, to act on them is different because mm-hmm. then I'll just switch to that complaining mode. But I'm yeah. at that breaking point, And I think the fact that this is when I get to talk to you, not literally like every week when I call and it's like, it's a joke how like I'll call 15 times, but now is when I talk to you is it's like, how many more kicks in the ass do I get? Like fucking Dave Chappelle. Like he told me, if you don't do this, I hate you. I'll hate you. Like what? I'm just a piece of shit now if I don't do this. He saw me perform once. He couldn't even look me in the eye afterwards because I bombed so hard. <laughs> Fucking Dave Chappelle said you should do it. Why the fuck are you on the phone with me? Introduce me to Dave Chappelle. That guy saw me bomb so hard that he was looking at... Chappelle's telling you to do it? What a fucking bomb to jump at the end! You don't need Chris Gethard's pep talk if Dave Chappelle already gave you one. Thank me in your Emmy speech because I'm never going to get one. What the fuck are you talking about? Chappelle said yes. Yeah, now you're I, just being an asshole, my friend. And I never say that about college, and I feel weird saying that to a woman. But comedian no. to comedian, comedian to comedian. I'm not, though. It's not like he was like, hey, man, good to see you. He just, 
he picked me out from the crowd because I was hanging on to every word. And he said, he's like, what are you, some politically correct teacher? You're not laughing. And I said, no. I saw an opportunity. I said, I want to be a comedian. He said, why have you done? I said, I made excuses. I went on stage with him and Michael Che. I took a shot. And he was like, you have good instincts. If you don't do this, I will hate you forever and come to me when you're ready. And I, what, what the hell? That's insane. And you, I feel like you I just got up on stage for telling you. You got, up, you got on stage in front of Chappelle and Che. And you held yeah. your own. And they said, good job. And I riffed because I didn't have anything. Yo. I don't know if Che liked me, but yeah, that's, Chappelle, he, he encouraged me. And it was like. <laughs> Che's a friend of mine. Che's grumpy sometimes. That's okay. <laughs> you got Chappelle encouraging you? No. You yeah. got Gethard encouraging you, baby. Much less impact <laughs> with that one. But do it. Do it. No. I believe in you. Even if you don't believe in yourself, I believe in you. Get out of your own way. It's not about you. We already hit zero. Jared just got his finger hovering because he saw me on a rant. Any closing words? Okay. What's your last sentence to the word, to the world? Um, I just want to say thank you. And if anyone is listening, also get out of your own way and believe in yourself as much as you believe in others. And you know what my favorite thing about that was? You didn't fucking apologize. <laughs> Thanks again, caller. You better do it. You better do it. You better go become a bigger, better comedian than me. Because I think you can. I bet you can. If Dave Chappelle said you can, you don't need to hear from me. What are you doing? Thank you for calling. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to everybody who submitted questions on Facebook. Thanks to Jared O'Connell. Thanks to Harry Nelson. Thanks to the Reverend John DeLore and Greta Cohn. Thanks to Shell Shag for the music. Shell Shag's the best. Check him out. ChrisGeth.com. I'm getting out on the road doing a ton of stand-up this summer. Come see me. Hang out. Say hi. If you like the show, rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. This helps. This helps so much. That's all the business. See you next time on Beautiful Anonymous. Here it comes. The ad everybody's been waiting for. Because we're all thinking about it. Thomas's English muffins. Thomas's original nooks and crannies English muffins. Think about it. It's breakfast time. You wake up. You're in bed. You're under the covers. You don't want to get out of bed. Oh, wait. Yes, you do. Because you got Thomas's original Nooks and Crannies English muffins waiting for you. There's nothing quite like it. That irresistible Nooks and Crannies texture, perfectly toasted, crispy edges, a soft, warm center, how the butter pools inside all those little Nooks and Crannies. It's amazing to see that butter fill up those spaces. It's a delicious burst of flavor in every warm, toasty buttery bite. Thomas's Nooks and Crannies English muffins, truly like no other. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous, we hear uh, a memorial to a grandma and even some scandals from her life. She went to Atlantic City one weekend with some girlfriends and she met a man, a aspiring pianist, and they um, carried on this affair. Your I guess for a while. Your grandma had a scandalous love affair. Oh, you know, I shouldn't... Yes, yeah, That's I guess. That's so she... rad. That's so rad. Did, yeah. Were you, like, psyched when you found out? I shouldn't say a while. Yeah, it was like, Grandpa, like, are you sure? Is this real? <laughs> with a penis. And, um... She shacked up with some yeah. scumbag musician. I love it. <laughs> That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous.